Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and an extremely special guest all the way from South Carolina by way of Cincinnati. He's a Marine. He's a firefighter. He's a patent inventor. He's an entrepreneur. The dude drives a Ferrari and he just dropped his new book, Warrior Entrepreneur, the one, the only Zach Green. Zach, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Dustin, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and talk to you. I'm a huge fan of yours and to be sitting here in your studio speaking with you, this is really exciting for me. Well, I love the fact that we were able to put this together. You and I hooked up via LinkedIn and you're like, hey man, I love what you're doing. I want to be on the show. And I kind of gave you the standard answer. Awesome. Let's do it. The only caveat is I'm in Orlando. You're like, well, actually I have to be in Orlando because I have a huge prospective client who's in Orlando. We won't necessarily go down that path, but they're also in the amusement industry. We'll just leave it at there that. There we go. They're in the amusement industry. And uh, also I take my car down to get worked on. I can actually kill three birds with one stone. I'm like, cool, let's do it. So today's that day that we get to do it. And what I love about having you on is we talk about this all the time throughout our episodes. Like we are called the loan officer podcast. Loan officer is it resonates with the mortgage and real estate industry, but we don't just talk to realtors and to mortgage professionals. Like our underlying theme, it's everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't. And we love to talk about sales and we love to talk about entrepreneurship. So having you on A, as a listener who's not in the mortgage industry, and then now as a guest who's not in the mortgage industry, allows us to check that box and continue to go down the path of, hey, we call it the Loan Officer Podcast because A, that's how I scratched my initial entrepreneur itch was becoming a loan officer. And because I believe that all people should have a loan officer in their back pocket because loan officers, their job is to know people. They're right? spheres of influence. They they are, and yeah, they, their job is to have the biggest network out there. I'm a huge fan that your network equals your net worth. So if you wanna be a person who's increasing your net worth, you should have a loan officer in your back pocket because that loan officer can introduce you to just about any type of professional that you need. So you and I spent a ton of time just talking off camera probably wasted a lot of valuable content that maybe we can we can replicate here. But how do we condense what could be hours worth of you and I just chopping it up to the next 30, 45 minutes? I don't know if you want to jump into the book. I don't know if you want to tell your story. Like I kicked you off as Marine, because you are, firefighter, because you are. Uh, you're a salesperson for over a decade in the pharmaceutical industry. But then you invented a product that allowed you to open your own company and then now that company is doing well. So you're a successful entrepreneur and you're an author. And then we haven't even scratched the surface of your podcast or Warrior Enterprises, because I see you're wearing the shirt that says Warrior Enterprises, but that's not the name of your company. So that's something else that you're passionate about. I'm going to shut up. Where do you want to start? You know, what attracted me to your podcast and what you really look at is 90% of what you focus on has nothing to do with the mortgage industry. It has to do with being an entrepreneur and success and taking challenges. And what I'd like to talk about is what I learned in the book. The book was originally supposed to be my biography. Nobody cares about my story other than my mom and my wife. So you can't sell a book just based on that, unless your name's like Oprah or Elton yeah. John or something like that. But what I found were the common traits that made me successful as a Marine were the exact same traits that made me successful as an entrepreneur, were the exact same traits that got me to survive dying of COVID almost a year ago to this day. I was in the ICU a year ago to this day. I went into the hospital on 
I think it was December 19th or 20th, and I didn't get out till January 4th. Well, and thank you for not dying. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was not a pleasant experience, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit because there was a lot of terms there, but it's that warrior attribute. It's that warrior spirit of adversity helps prepare you for your crucible. The crucible is your crisis in your life, and in order to get through your crucible, you have to transform and change and make some type of difference. And that really what every story in this book is about. The first um, third of the book is about the science of adversity and how we can use that to be courageous and to be able to conquer those different crucibles. Um, no, fantastic. I started reading your book. Uh, you sent me an advanced copy. I definitely appreciate the, 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 the signature on the inside with a nice note. Uh, you say no one wants to hear your story, but I'm going to say as a reader, I'm enjoying your story. Sure. Like I'm enjoying you walking me, the reader, through the path of your journey um, and, and how you became where you are today, the trials and tribulations, the failures, because we can sit here and talk about all your successes, but your successes were born from failure. Absolutely. So my story starts back <clears throat> as a young kid, I struggled deeply with ADHD. Now it's funny, ADHD is considered a uh, disability, um, but when you get out of school, it's called multitasking. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he can do four things at once, oh, he's great. I look at it as a superpower, not as a disability. But in school, it was not that way. I went to Catholic schools, Montessori schools, private schools, public schools. None of them seemed to, to work for me. I was constantly in trouble. Never did anything illegal, but I was always in detention, giving my poor parents such a hard time. It wasn't until I got down to the Marine Corps that I really learned how to channel my um, distractions. And it was simple. They just kicked your ass if you didn't you stay in line down the Marine Corps. It was, it was brutal. But my crucible, my first crucible happened in Paris Island about week three or four. And I had um, very wonderful parents. We lived in a very affluent neighborhood. I had everything I could ever ask for as a child. And, you know, I, I did well in sports and everything else. So I get down there and now I'm with kids that are, literally grew up in the, the, the cornfields of Iowa and the inner city of Philadelphia and the projects of New Orleans and the coal mines of West Virginia. And they didn't have anything. And I realized not only... One, and they were all great athletes too. I wasn't just um, in the middle, I was in the lower section of the middle. And it was because we were all equal. There was no black or white. We say you're either light green or dark green. There is no, I never encountered or saw racism in the Marine Corps. They're really, really good about, you know, we are Marines, we are brothers. We all bleed red, it doesn't matter. So the whole platoon turns left. I make the mistake and turn right. The drill instructor singles me out for what we call IPT, incentive physical training. It's basically having you do calisthenics till you throw up. You know, you start off, uh, you know, doing high knees, hitting your knees to your hands. Then you drop down and do bends and thrusts. Then you do flutter kicks and then you do push-ups. And they keep going over and over again until you can't do it. And he leans over, the drill instructor, who are these superhuman people? He leans over and he says, your mommy's not here to help you. And when he said that, it cut like such a knife. I hysterically started crying. I curled up in the prenatal position. You're 18, my 19 years old at this yep. time. And I realized he's right. My parents aren't there to help me. Now, that was my crucible. And in the crucible, you have two things that can happen. At the bottom of the crucible is the abyss. The abyss stands for darkness and fear and failure and sometimes even death. The great philosopher Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will stare back and consume you. And what that means is if you stay too far feeling sorry for yourself, if I cried much longer, if I stayed in that position, it's harder to get out. If you know someone that's got drug or alcohol problems or is battling depression or has an eating issue or and whatever, the longer they're in that cycle, that dangerous cycle, the harder it is for them to get out. 
the warrior will then look at that, recognize the abyss, honor the abyss, but not go there. I can see right behind you over your shoulder, we got a freeway. It's a very dangerous thing. So recognize the freeways there. You can walk alongside the freeway, but don't put your foot in there because you're gonna get squashed, right? Um, same thing with this abyss. To get through the abyss, you have to conquer your crucible and make a change. Because if you don't make a change, you're gonna get right back to your work. So for me, my change was I transformed and I got rid of my civilian Zach and became a Marine and have never looked back since then. And that's really what this book is about is that journey. And so, was that a mindset for you, Zach? Like, absolutely. It was just a mindset. It was a, a, a switch that got flipped that day. And you said, I'm never going to allow myself to stare back at the abyss. To feel sorry for myself, to have people tell me I'm weak, to be telling me that I have a disability. I was going to accomplish whatever mission came in front of me. And the Marines were the one that gave me that confidence and the courage to do that. There are not too many actual skills that I learned in the Marine Corps that I could do in the real world without getting arrested for them. Um, but there's a lot of intangibles that I could do. So that takes me through, get out of the Marine Corps. I got out in like 1998, 1999. I went through both the officer candidate program and I also enlisted, but it was during a time there was a lot of attrition. So um, it was Clinton years, um, there was no combat deployments. I wanted to go fight and kill. I never got a chance to do anything. So I get out. Two years later, September 11th happens. Day that changes the world for everybody. For me, I got a tremendous amount of survivors killed. It was really difficult seeing my friends um, go out and fight. I went to multiple funerals. For some reason, there was um, one of the units near that I served with. They lost like nine guys in a um, uh, roadside bomb, and I went to probably five or six of the funerals. Oh. And I'm sitting next to these coffins with the flag over them with these kids that are 18, 19 years old, knowing that I got out of the same unit, mm -hmm. and now they're in that box and not me. So it was really difficult. So I had to do something to give back, and so I joined our local volunteer fire department. And that's when you lived up in Cincinnati. That's correct. Although the town that you is called Wyoming, is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's like a suburb within Cincinnati. Yeah, which by the way, in the book, I appreciate the fact that you put in parentheses uh, Cincinnati. Right. Because when I see Wyoming, like I think of, oh, I'm going out to Wyoming. I'm going to ride wild horses. West. I'm going to climb mountains. This is wild, wild west. And it's like, yeah. no, no, it's Cincinnati, which is a beautiful city right outside of the wonderful state of Kentucky. <laughs> That's right. We call it Cincinnati, actually, yeah. because Northern Kentucky, we have to take ownership of that over in uh, Ohio. Well, I always joke about you know nothing good comes from Ohio except for Cincinnati. There you go. Um, so uh, I've I have personally annexed in my mind Cincinnati actually belongs to Kentucky. Like I said, Cincinnati. Since I like that. That's and um, my mom is a Cincinnati, or is a uh, Kentucky native, and it was just got a Kentucky Colonel, so <laughs> you, you can appreciate that. So anyway, um, get into the fire service um, within a week or two. Now, my full-time job was at Eli Lilly. What I learned there is all about building a brand. This is this is after you, you were out, out of the Marine Corps. You went and enlisted, probably an E2, raised the ranks to probably, what, an E4, E5. And then you went to OCS, came out as an O2, served as an officer, came out as an officer, and then you entered the civilian world in sales and marketing. Correct. Okay. I never actually got my commission as an officer because you have to do another six year contract and I'd already been in it four years at that time. So I decided to decline the commission, Okay. which 
I have a lot of guilt that I did that because I always wanted to to be an officer. But on the flip side, my life trajectory would have been very different had I had another six years of yep. acting. Everything happens for a reason. It does. Yep. I would have never met my wife. I would have never started out in my first job, which was doing financial planning, which is very similar to loan officer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's straight commission, dialing for dollars, getting referrals and networks. And when you do well, you do really well. And when you don't do well, you make zero money. Were you going through like a certain um, uh, clearinghouses training program? Like I know Morgan Stanley has a training program. Merrill Lynch has a training program. Were you going through one of those? Yeah, it was Ohio National. So they're okay. a big company. Um, you know, got my Series 6, got my life and annuity license, got all that type of stuff. But I was doing real well. I was number two rookie in the entire country. The problem I had was um, it was too up and down. I mean, I'd make a crazy amount of money in a month. I'd spend all of it. And then the <laughs> next month, I'd have to borrow money from my parents to go to the grocery store. Because I'm just, you know, yeah. that's the way you are when you're 20 years old. You yeah. got a shiny new toy. But anyway, so what I learned at Eli Lilly, it was never about the product. When we sold Prozac, we weren't selling the chemicals that are in Prozac. We were selling, hey, there's this thing called depression. It's a problem. And here's all the issues. And here's how we can help solve that problem rather than just simply focus on the features and benefits of this pill. With that mindset, I go into a fire as a firefighter and it's completely dark out and I get lost. I'm working down the hallway. I think I get to the end of the hallway, which is supposed to have a staircase or a door. And instead I got three walls and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in a walk-in closet. So I panic a little bit, figure out, I look down, I got 20 minutes of air left. So, you know, in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to be in really, really big trouble because the 20 minutes never is really 20 minutes. And obviously I find my way out. And I remember talking to my captain and I'm telling about this and he starts laughing and making fun of me. And he's like, look, this happens all the time when you're in a fire. So I'm like, that's just not right. We got to do something. I want to solve this problem. And I remembered this glow in the dark material that we had on the back of our helmets in the Marine Corps. We called them little cat eyes. And I started researching and I found out that that product was actually used in the World Trade Towers during 9-11 and helped people find their way out of the stairwells when it was in darkness. And I found a couple of people that were a lot smarter than me, these different developers and scientists and physicists. And we were able to make a super bright glow for like a flashlight glow for literally dozens of hours. And we put it into different materials on your helmets and on your tools. So I take my prototype into a fire and about another month or two later, we're working our way down the hallway and everyone's trying to take my helmet off. And I turn around to slug somebody <laughs> and I look up, I'm like, can we put the wet stuff on the red stuff and get the damn fire out? And then we can play with my glow in the dark yeah. stuff. They're like, no, man, this is incredible. Oh, so so you were actually battling a fire inside of a building and, and your buddies were like, hey, Zach, give me your helmet. You're like, uh, I kind of need my helmet and I kind of need your hose. And yeah, I like that. Let's put the wet stuff on the red right. stuff. Yep. That's really simplifying uh, firefighters uh, duty, right? You know, at the end of the day, there's so much science and all this stuff. In the, and I could talk for hours about this. This is one of the things I geek out crazy on. But at the end of the day, just put the water on the fire and it yep. goes out. It's as yep. simple as that. Um, so my, I was a truck company. My job was to open up the ceiling with my hooks. Okay. And then the engine company behind me would then spray water. Cause you can't just spray water on the ceiling. If the fire is in the attic, you have to open the ceiling up. So instead of them, you know, and being there, I got stuff falling down on my head and everything. And the engine team has got the hose on the ground and they're trying to take my helmet off because yeah. they're playing with what's this cool glow in the dark stuff. So, and you did this just for yourself. Like, like you remembered from your military career that there was a product out there. Now the product wasn't necessarily suitable for what you needed because it maybe didn't glow bright enough. But what you wanted to solve for is that feeling that you had that one time where you thought you were hitting an exit, but you ended up in a closet. You never wanted that feeling again. And it bothered you that your captain, for the most part, kind of laughed and said, oh, it's normal. And you're like, yeah, but we need a new normal because this normal shouldn't shouldn't be 
Um, and then you did it for yourself at first. And then now, as you tell the story, as I hear it, and I'm kind of saying this to make sure I'm following along, you're, are they, what, what's, what's a, is a platoon, like a platoon in the military, what, what's it called in the, in the fire department? It'd be a company. The so company. a fire company, okay. and then you have either a truck or an engine, which is a team of like three or four guys. So, so your company, during a, a um, uh, exercise of putting out a fire, Instead of putting out the fire, they're so consumed with your new technology. Right. And what I'm trying to get across, obviously your listeners, most of them probably are not firefighters, is this concept of solving a problem. Mm -hmm. that, that's the issue here. I found a problem and I solved it. But that's only part of the challenge here. The challenge then becomes you can have the greatest problem in the world. If you don't have good sales marketing distribution, you're never going to be good. You can be the most brilliant loan officer in the world, but if people don't know how to find you, it's not going to help. Now, there's three things I want your listeners to know, no matter what field they're in. And these are three really, really important things. They are the absolute rubric that I use when I'm talking to somebody that I'm either going to invest with or help. Number one, you have to solve a problem in a unique and elegant way. Number two, you have to have an unfair competitive business advantage. Not illegal, not unethical, but it's got to be an unfair advantage. There has to be some kind of connection that you've got there because as a startup, you're, you've got a lot of things working against you and you've got to be able to have a way to, as we call in the Marine Corps, force multiplier. And then the third thing is you have to have kick-ass sales marketing distribution. Without question, it's so important. You can have a bad product, um, but great distribution, you're going to do well. We all know what the Snuggie is, right? We all know what the pet rock is for those of you that are a little yes. bit older. It was a rock. It made millions of dollars because the sales marketing distribution is out there. In your business, it's all about referrals. It's about getting that name out there. That's the marketing and the distribution. So I'd solved the first problem. I solved a problem in a unique and elegant way, but I didn't have the answer to the next two. So the next thing I did was I went out and just started doing guerrilla marketing, viral marketing, used a lot of social media, and I would go out there and post a lot of pictures of the product being used. It's very cool looking, um, you know, the glow in the dark and the firefighter and uh, image in the background. And I would say, okay, the first fire station to respond back with a picture of you wearing my gear um, I'll come out and visit and buy you guys a pizza dinner. And like literally in the middle of like Yuma, Arizona, I get one. So I hop on a plane, fly, I can't fly to Yuma. I flew to like Albuquerque, drove around and had dinner with them. And it was cool, got to sleep in the bunkhouse. And they said, well, you need to talk to the so-and-so station next door. So I go to that one. I spent two and a half weeks going from Phoenix to um, Tucson to Albuquerque to Vegas to San Diego. And every place I went, I would just drop a couple of my products off. That, that's pure guerrilla marketing boots on the ground. And it's viral marketing. So viral is you get that little infection and then it grows. Because anytime one of those firefighters went into a fire, I'm like, well, where the hell did you get that? So that was how I solved number two. I hired each and every one of those people as an independent sales rep for me. So now I got firefighters selling to other firefighters. The most brilliant business model of all time was Tupperware. And the reason it was you didn't buy Tupperware at the store. You had a stay-at-home mom talking to other stay-at-home moms, having Tupperware parties to connect it. So who better to sell to a firefighter than another firefighter? So as I would meet these people, I'd say, oh, and by the way, if you give me 200 bucks, I'll give you $400 worth of product. You keep all of the profit yourself and we'll continue to do this. And before you know it, I had 400 of these firefighter sales reps covering every single area code in the entire United States. Almost like dipping your toes into the multi-level marketing. Without Ex the multi-level. Without the multi-level. Yeah, exactly you're just turning right. them into individual distributors. Correct. Correct. Uh, today, the kids call that drop shipping in a way. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, that's, but that's, the that is so cool. I didn't know that. To build that. So over, um, and, and prior to that, I got to go back. I was selling out of the trunk of my car. I made 5,000 bucks in six months. 
eventually balling that's my a, job that's baller status I mean, it was right good, there good money i was yeah. excited i mean i got to buy a lot of beer with it yeah so then eli Lilly wanted me to get promoted which would have sent me to indianapolis which i wasn't willing to do so they said if you don't take the promotion you're fired i'm like great what's the severance package they said we'll give you a nine months severance package i'm like deal that gives me nine months to figure out if this is a viable business so I end up going to this large trade show and at the trade show, it's called FDIC, biggest firefighter trade show in the country. And there's literally 40,000 firefighters there. I've got this ghetto soccer tent with the sidewalls held together with duct tape and zip tie. You know, one of those cheap tents you yes. buy with the little yep. accordion thing that comes up. And we had cardboard signs written on with black Sharpie marker. And we had a line of a hundred people deep for the entire show. Next to us is Honeywell with their $100,000 booth, billion dollar company, MSA, Carnes, all these other big companies. Those companies were coming over to me at the end of the show thanking me because we had so many people on our line that they actually spilled into their booth. I booked $100,000 in three days. Wow. Now I had a problem. I had no money to buy the raw material. I had nobody that could manufacture at that scale. I had no way to distribute it. I had no way to ship it. But I'm a Marine and we always accomplish our mission. And that's what I did. So I ended up refinancing my home. Maxed out my credit cards. Started I bet your wife was super happy with you. She, believe it or not, she was incredibly supportive this whole time. None of this would have been possible without her. And if you read my book, the very first page, I dedicate this book to all the female warriors that are out there because there's no way any male warrior can be out there without the female. And then sometimes the opposite. Yep. Sometimes the female's the warrior. And the reality is, is I always think she's behind me supporting me, but she's not. She's actually lifting me up a lot of the times because that's the only person you can really be raw with is your, is your spouse or your parents or something along that line so she was actually a very successful OBGYN and she was getting burned out on her career and a lot of stress and the, the income was going down and down so she realized this is the yeah the birth rate that birth rate keeps on dropping that's a terrible industry to be in if uh, the birth rates drop it's not the birth rate it's the insurance yeah. uh the insurance I, I was being facetious yeah. but yes yeah yeah trust me they're always having births especially <laughs> after the pandemic we had a big birth uh thing there you know I always said she got to open up a business with a funeral home that way you get it coming and you get them going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always good shop security there so anyway i find a way to fill these orders we get it done more orders come in i then eventually uh start to get raised some venture capital financing raised about two or three million dollars of venture capital financing with the understanding that in addition to the firefighter products there's a hundred million exit signs in the united states they all need batteries light bulbs electricity who inspects the exit signs the firefighters Bingo, that's my unfair advantage. So now I've got a brand that I built with 100,000 firefighters in 25 countries. I do a lot of self-promotion for me as kind of this celebrity entrepreneur within the firefighting community and try to, every time I go to a fire station, if I'm nearby, I'll drop some of my stuff off. A lot of them will recognize me and know, which is really cool when you see your product out there. My, my greatest moment was there were some FDNY firefighters leaning out of the New World Trade Center tower to rescue a um, window wash that got stuck on the 80th floor. And as that fire had his helmet out, I could see my product on his helmet. That's cool. And that's kind of where it all started was September 11th. So yeah. the, that full circle was just really special for me. So anyway, um, exit signs, we start to build that out. And before you know it, we turned into about a $30 million company. So, um, which that, is, which is so cool. So everyone's who's listening, your reticular activator is now turned on, go check out the exit signs in any restaurant, any building that you go into, or if you come down to Orlando, start looking around the theme parks mm -hmm. and, uh, see if it's red or if it's lime green. And if it's red, then it's probably not Zach's because that means it's battery powered and it's used or yeah, battery powered, probably electricity with a battery backup. Yeah. If it's on plexiglass, 
and it's a neon super bright, there's a good chance that Zach's technology is behind that. So uh, Home Depot has it in the more than half of their 2200 stores are using our product. Uh, Kroger's, all their new construction and the Kroger's own chain, such as Fry's and um, all the other names out there on the West Coast, they all use it. Um, and then a couple other pretty large companies that won't let me say their names, but uh, hey, no, no worries. We are articulate activators turned on. We'll now look for it. But here's what you haven't talked about. It wasn't always rosy. Oh, it God. wasn't always easy. Like you almost lost this company, didn't you? I almost lost myself. Well, I mean, it's it's um, I will tell people this hardest things were in the Marine Corps, hardest things were in the fire department. Nothing has been harder than being an entrepreneur. I mean, literally knocked to my knees multiple times. What I don't people don't know is three times I almost went bankrupt. And when I say I almost went bankrupt, my house, you know, as the song goes, I sold my soul to the company store. Yeah, that's true. I had to use my house as collateral to get a loan when one time we were running out of money. What a lot of people don't realize is that every single problem you have as an entrepreneur is solvable. Most people aren't willing to put the risk in to solve that problem. The physical risk, the emotional risk, the financial risk, um, firing your friends, hiring family members, firing them, being exposed to lawsuits, being exposed to risk and all that stuff. They're not doing it. And the only way an uh, entrepreneur can fail, there's only one way to quit. And that's okay to quit. It's okay. Eventually enough is enough and you don't do it, but there is a solution. And so when I went through those dark times, I would have to make those difficult decisions. It came to a head when my family and I went to our place in Hawaii, we're vacationing. I decided I'm going to go off the grid this time. The company was in trouble. And I told my CFO, do not call me unless there's an emergency. Well, guess what happens? Three days into the vacation, I get a call and he's like, we didn't get this customer pay us and this happened, whatever. And you got to just prepare yourself for um, liquidation when we get back. I thought I was having a heart attack. I fall to my knees. I can feel my tight chest. I couldn't breathe. I had shock waves going down my arms. All the stuff that they taught us as a firefighter that you take them to the hospital immediately. That's, that's the big one. Um, I realized at the time as I'm, you know, curled back in the prenatal position, just like what happened to Paris Island, I'm crying. My wife's crying. My son's crying. He thinks I'm dying. I think I'm dying. And my wife's like, look, you're not dying. You're just having a panic attack. You need to go out and relax. So I go outside and I remember it very viscerally. I get into the lagoon, I swim in, and there's something very spiritual and religious about water, be it baptism or whatever. But when I came out of the water, I felt transformed and changed. And I had a conversation with God where I basically said, if this is the end, it's the end. But I still feel I got some more fuel in the tank. I got to be able to figure out how to fix this. And I did. And we were able to make it through. And But the change was, so that was my crucible. The bottom of that abyss was that ocean. It was me committing suicide and staying down at the bottom of the water, or it was rebirth and coming out of the water, which is what I chose to do. But I had to make the change, otherwise I'd be back there. And I stepped down as CEO of the company I started, and I hired someone to be my boss. Now, most people say, you're crazy for doing that. I'm like, no, what happened was is twofold. Number one, entrepreneurs are usually great at starting business. They're not usually great at running businesses. It's a very different skill set to start a business than it is to run a business. The innovation, the visionary that you need to start it, there aren't necessarily the skills you need to keep it running. You need attention to detail, follow-up, and those type of things. The second thing that was overwhelming for me was I did not empower the people that worked with me. I had a very good team of 10, 15 employees, but because it was my company and my baby, I wouldn't let them make any decisions. I was overwhelmed every day with the multitude of decisions. We're talking 40 to 60 decisions a day, very minor, and none of them even make a difference, that I was in 
taking all my time and emotional energy and intellectual capacity, which there isn't much of it up there, <laughs> uh, to solve these problems. And um, the big decisions were okay. It was the small ones. And so by me giving that to somebody else and having them put a system into place allowed me to be really creative and open up, which is what we needed because a year or two later, this thing COVID comes along, completely shuts down the exit sign business. We can't go into class A office buildings. We can't go into retail. We're like, we got to do something. So that's because I had that capacity open, I was able to take the plexiglass we're using on the exit signs and make them a little bit larger. And I made COVID protector barriers and we became Home Depot's number one distributor of COVID protector barriers over the last 18 months. Did more sales during COVID than we did probably in the last two or three years combined. That not only let us survive COVID, we prevailed through COVID and now we're seeing a huge uptick in our exit signs now that life is getting somewhat back to normal. That's a phenomenal pivot. Let me ask you this question. Who brainstormed that idea? Did it come from your CEO or did it come from you? No, that was completely me and actually one of the other members on the um, a Home Depot team that I was working with. So he kind of said, hey, can you do this? And I took that idea and ran with it. Now, I could not have done that had I been responsible for all the other stuff. Correct. And that's um, I actually got that from a John Ma Maxwell book. Right. It's like if you're spending all of your all of your time in the trenches and being a technician, you're not being a thought provoker. Right. You're you're not sitting back and dedicating enough brain power for a consistent and persistent enough, a long enough period of time that you can come up with with that next great idea. Um, you can't work on your training and development if you're constantly having to make 40 what you call minor decisions. And at the end of the day, and this resonates to all entrepreneurs, including loan officers, including real estate agents and financial advisors, when they're building out their teams, they have this, this thought process of like, well, I'm the best and no one can do it better than me. And I'm consistently trying to remind them, you may be right that no one can do it better, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do it worse. And they may do it different, but let them do it different. So you can actually open up some of your, your brain power to focus on the next great idea or when you do need to pivot to be able to pivot. I thought I, I was going to guess you were the one that came up with that because you had someone else running the company. I was happy I guessed right. I do have one more question. Well, and real, oh, real yeah. quick, I just I want to go back to what you just said. Yes, no one will do as good enough job as you for your company. But they don't need to. If they can do 60% of what you can do and you hire two of them, they're doing 20% more than you can. So eventually there, there becomes a quality and quantity that you can get that out there. So don't just think that you need another one of you. You can just get multiple people and put that puzzle together. Yep, I, I love that. I've never heard it uh, said that way. Uh, the way that, which I'm going to now swipe and adapt that, by the way, Zach. But the way that I, I try to teach the people is like, look, if you can hire someone to do it as as to 90% of as well as you do, that 90% is still better than what the average is. Mm -hmm. So that means your client is still receiving an above average experience. It may not be the same exact experience that they received with you, but it still was above average. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to provide is above average. Right. There is a law of diminishing returns. You hitting it at a 10 out of 10, the client might not recognize the difference between a 10 out of 10 and a nine out of 10. Mm -hmm. So if someone else can do it at an eight and a half or a nine out of 10, the client is still gonna say, wow, that was eight a great- is all we need. Yes. You, know? you don't need to have 10 because that last 10% usually takes 80 to 9% of the effort to get through that variant. So you're crucible, you're on vacation with your family in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. You have the panic attack, you, d you dip in the water, you decide not to stay on the bottom, you're gonna come up for air. You fly back to Ohio, what, How'd you back your, your way out of that corner? How did you unbury yourself? 
you know, there was a couple things that happened. My CFO was starting to look at other alternatives. We needed a short-term gap and okay. we figured that gap out, but we still needed a long-term solution. This is why I don't believe in coincidences. This is why I absolutely believe that God has a plan out there for everywhere. And my darkest moments when I asked for a sign and I didn't think I got it, but when we got on the airplane that went from Honolulu to Atlanta, and it's completely sold out. It's one of these big planes, five seats in the middle, three on either side. And I sit down in my window seat, and this big guy sits down in the aisle seat. And I look at him, I said, man, I feel sorry for the schmuck that's going to be between <laughs> the two of us for the next 11 hours. The flight's oversold, so we know someone's there. The door closes, and no one sits in that seat. I high-five him. He high-fives me. We're like, this is great. He's like, what do you do? I said, I make exit signs. And he kind of like turned his nose up to him and he's like, well, tell me about it. And I said, well, no batteries, light bulbs, or electricity. He's like, sorry, buddy, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, no, actually it does. Oh, by the way, because I'm always at the ABCs of selling, right? Always be closing, yes. every chance. I talk to everybody. My wife hates it when I go out because I'm always talking to people at the bar and at the restaurant table next to us, tell them what I do because you just never know. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And the more he's asking more and more questions, he's becoming less and less um, believing what I'm doing. I show it to him and I said, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm senior VP at Home Depot. No way. I imagine um, you might have, I have some people that want to talk to you. And because of that connection with him, two weeks later, I go down to Home Depot and that turned into about a $20 million opportunity for a company that was literally struggling up to that point. Home Depot not only bought our products, but then they said, we want to sell your products too. And before you know it, uh, we're getting more awards from Home Depot than any of the big companies are. We've, I've got the CEO of Home Depot on my uh, text chain. We text back and forth all the time. You and Arthur Blank are going not, back and not forth? Not Blank. So this is this is the this Home is... Depot Pro Group. Okay. Uh, so yeah. okay. Shane is his name, whose brother actually is a Navy SEAL. Um, but, you know, constantly back and forth uh, talking to them because they're a very huge military-friendly company. They believe in entrepreneurial spirit as part of their thing. And, and we're an example of that. They gave us a chance, and they went through. And my big concern is it's called the orange crush. When you get, take an account that size being as small as we were, they can crush you with ordering too much. They broke it down to eight different gates that we would have to get through before we got to the, the holy grail, if you will, which is getting distributed. And they worked with us each step of the way. And we ate that elephant one little tiny bite at a time. I love it. That's fantastic. So let's do this because um, we haven't even touched on your, I call them passion projects. But, you know, you you have this company. Obviously, the company is doing extremely well, right? And and you have a lot to be proud of. And the name of the company, for, for those that haven't had a chance to read the book yet, is Aluma. Lumaware, L-U-M-A-W-A-R-E. So you can just do a Google search or go to LumawareSafety.com and, and find out anything about that. But what I, I want to get into is, is what is on your shirt right now, sure. right? It's military green. You have the American flag on one sleeve, right? It's a grunt style shirt. So grunt style is another military owned company. Dear friends of mine. I'm very good friends with both founders. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, you probably then drink uh, black rifle coffee. We would I, actually, I'm not a coffee drinker. Oh. I'm like the only Marine and firefighter. I'm a green tea guy. Yeah. Green tea. How about strike force? Strike force is a, is a, is a, um, ex Navy seal, entrepreneur who invented strike force is a little uh energy packet that you drop into your water nice colorless odorless but flavored i will check it out yep um but uh but i so i want to talk about warrior enterprise lsc mm -hmm. i want to talk about your your podcast the website that you have but i want to end with that right because i think it's going to be impactful there's gonna be some calls to action some uh some places people can go to to find more about you obviously check out the book um, because the book is what is worth reading. Like if you've appreciated what Zach has shared with you right now, imagine that on steroids times 10, that's going to be the book. 
Um, in fact, when you were sitting there talking, I'm like, oh, I read that. Oh, I read that. And for people who read like me, which is not very well, he has pictures. There right. are pictures in there for people like us that who have maybe a little ADD and the picture right. is what keeps us motivated to keep reading. Now, my Marine friends are mad that there's no coloring on it because they want to be able to use the crayons to color it out, but maybe that'll be the next one. But, um, um, but, but audiobook, before, paperback, uh, hardcover, um, it, it's available at Amazon, anywhere books are sold. But I do want to offer a special offer to your guests. If they go on to my website, which is warriorentrepreneurbook.com, and they use the coupon code PODCAST2021, they can get it for 50% off. Oh, awesome. Podcast, and I'll sign it. Okay, PODCAST2021 in the website again? warriorentrepreneurbook.com. Awesome. So speaking of entrepreneurs, anyone who's tuned in this far more than likely is some form of an entrepreneur. Now they may be just starting off their real estate or mortgage career, right? Which makes them a solopreneur because it's just them. And they're gonna try to embrace the suck and grind out the first two years, which is the most crucial part of anyone launching any type of business is, is with, withstanding the suck that it takes to get through the first two years. What advice would you have for those people? Like based on your experience, your successes, your failures, mm -hmm. What is something that you wish was maybe told to you 20 years ago? Well, I, I think we're going to need about another four or five hours here <laughs> to do all that. No, I think it breaks down real simple. And, and I'm sorry if this is somewhat of a prejudice type statement. If you're under the age of 25 or 30, wait. And the reason why is we've got this new culture where we're teaching entrepreneurship in school. We're teaching, uh, we're showing these billionaires that are 25 years old, driving the Bugattis and everything like that, and giving people this false sense of that it can be successful. And the reason I say wait is there's so much great stuff that the world has to offer you that can help you. So in my case, by going to work for a multi-billion dollar company like Lilly, I went to all the John Maxwell leadership co uh, courses, didn't pay a penny for it. I got trained as a Six Sigma uh, green belt, didn't have to pay for it. I got all this experience. So have your side hustle, have your type of thing that you're doing, but go work for one of the big companies that's got a great training program. Even if it's in the mortgage space, some of the large ones have really good training programs, some of the small ones do too and just start absorbing all that stuff. I'm a big fan of shamelessly finding people that are doing things really well and copying the hell out of them. Swipe and adapt, baby. Exactly. Swipe that's, and adapt. There are no new ideas. So that's the first advice I give them is get some real world experience. The second thing I give them is this term, cash is more important than your mother. And it is absolutely 100% true. Companies fail or succeed for one reason. They don't, they run out of cash. Cash is your runway. Now that cash will have to be bootstrapped. Sometimes it's your own money. It's always better if you can use somebody else's money. Sometimes you can borrow that money. There's a whole bunch of, but constantly always be obsessive about what your cash runway is. I got three more payrolls left. If I don't sell something, we're dead. I got one more payroll left and I can buy another cycle of raw material and then we're dead. So that's the other thing is keep that cash hyper-focused. And the best way to do that is hire somebody to do that for you. I'm at the point now in my company, I tell my CFO, I don't want to know how much money's in the bank because if I know if it gets below a certain amount, I get so damn paranoid, I can't sleep. If I don't sleep, I can't be innovative. I can't do the type of stuff. And then finally, surround yourself with really, really good people and get the hell out of their way. Now, early on, you can't afford good people. So that's where your visionary, where your enthusiasm is going to come into play to get people to buy into your dream. Um, Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk about what, how, and why, which I think is the greatest anything on the internet. Most companies focus on what they do. The good companies focus on how they do it, but the best companies focus on the why. And that why is what's going to attract you to get people that may not 
um, be getting paid what they're worth, but they see that bigger vision. They see that why. And that's really where Warrior Enterprises has come through is it's all about the why. I want to empower people to unlock their inner warrior and learn from our leaders that have worked in the CIA and then the Marine aviators, Marine regimental commanders that are all part of my team now on Warrior Entre uh, Enterprises and show them how we can use those warrior traits to not only be successful in entrepreneurship or climb the corporate ladder, or just be successful in life. I mean, the ultimate warrior is that mom that's working two jobs just so her kids can, you know, go to that nice private school. The warrior is that kid that goes to college and is on scholarship and why his friends are out having fun and partying at the fraternity and sorority day parties, they're out working in the coffee shop so they can, I'm like, that's the warrior. And that's what I want to do is show you how you can use that adversity and those warrior skills to be successful later in your life and with your business. So you just answered my, my last question, which is where do you go from here, Zach? So I'm starting a warrior framework. Uh, it's going to probably launch in January. It's going to be a 90 day program. This is not going to be just some online course. You're going to get one-on-one -on -one time with me. We're going to have weekly check-in sessions where we're going to break down your idea. Usually it should be more small business, growth or entrepreneurial startup. And at the end of the 90 days, you're going to be trained in those warrior skills. We're going to give you a warrior certificate. It's going to be based off a lot of the concepts that are in this book. And as that starts to develop, then we'll eventually get into business to business training where we're going to work with companies that are probably about 10 to 20 employees up to about a thousand. And I've got a team of some just incredible warriors that we're going to show you the innovation of an entrepreneur, but yet we're going to give you the discipline and the framework that the military has. And we're going to adopt all the different types of training programs that are out there ranging from Six Sigma to EOS to different types of value-based selling products. And then we're going to incorporate that with some actual military training and tactics. It's going to be experiential leadership. We're not going to just sit you in a room for two days and kill you with PowerPoints. We're going to get you out in the woods and we're going to run you through drills and concepts to bring home the points that we're going to be showing you. How do I find out more about this? And by the way, this is a, uh, as sincere as I can be. Can I sign up? Absolutely. Like, can, can I sign up? I know what group I want to do this with. I'm literally going to have lunch with them as soon as you leave today. And I'm going to volunteer, ask them, tell them. <laughs> I'm going to ask, but really I'm telling them, hey, we're going to do this. Yeah. We, um, so we have this incredible property up in South Carolina that we're using kind of as our forward operating base where we can do that. But we can certainly come to you and, and take it on the road. Um, I've got an amazing team of people, you know, a full bird colonel in the Marine Corps, former CIA officer. We've got um, a PhD from Pepperdine and MBA. It's also Marine. We'd love to, to, to work with you guys. I would love to come to South Carolina. Yeah, like, we, and, and you and I talked about that because because I'm going to hop on your podcast. There you go. Right? Because you're, you're going to launch your podcast, yeah, right? starting in January. So. And what's that going to be called? It's called The Warrior's Voice. It's okay. going to be a joint podcast between me and a dear friend of mine, Colonel Ricardo Player, who is a Fulbert colonel in the Marine Corps and is the only Marine in the history of the Marine Corps to win an Emmy. So he actually got an Emmy for his production of the uh, Commandant's Message for one of our birthdays. He's also what we call a Mustang. So he started from inner city Cleveland became enlisted as a recruit at Paris Island and has worked his way all the way up to Fulberg Colonel now. And so he has two things, two, two comments on that. You know, JC sitting over there, he has an Emmy. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. John, John, John Coleman has an Emmy and that dude has the coolest last name. Like I couldn't hesitate when I get to meet him. I'd be like, play Colonel on player, play on player. He's um, an amazing man. I, uh, um, dear, dear friend. He is, I, I'm, he's my soulmate. I mean, we are connected at a different level and we've only known each other for about a year now, but it's, so, so what, what are all the handles? How do people find you? Yep. How do they find Warrior Enterprises? How do they tune into the podcast? Like, 
Like at this point, people should be geeked up, amped up, and and ready to kick ass in 2022. Hell, I'm geeked up and amped up, man. Yeah, um, I think you and I probably stay at that level though. That's right. Guys like you and I, like it's we're it's, like 11, you know, yeah. just like in Spinal Tap. Yeah. In fact, I'm sure you're probably like me. Like when when I take my disc personality profile, they actually ask me in that profile to tone it down when I go into like a sales environment or a, a pitch. Where usually people are like, they have to crank it up. Oh, hey, I'm getting ready to go present. I'm getting ready to go do the sales pitch. I need to kind of crank up my my influencer. Guys like you and I are like, hey, we kind of need you to tone it down a little bit. So it's so funny because my last CEO, who's no longer working with us, but we did that assessment and there was a comment in there that sometimes Zach finds controversy where there is none because he wants to have controversy. Yeah. I remember him looking and rolling his eyes and kind of putting yeah. his head down like yeah. that. Like, you know. um, but anyway, so um, LinkedIn is always a great way. Zachary L. Green. Um, the other way is go to warriorentrepreneurbook.com. If you're interested in anything we talked about today, you can not only get the book, register on the contact us section at the bottom of that screen. Just get me your name and email so I can put you on the list and let you know when the online course and the, and the person to person course is going to be out there. Um, and then also have a business page on Facebook, Zachary green warrior enterprises, get a hold of me that way. And then you can always just email me Zachary L green at gmail.com. I respond to every single email that comes my way. That's fantastic. For anyone who tuned in for the first time and, th- and you've made it this far into the podcast, A, thank you. But please know, literally, this podcast can be viewed on YouTube at The Loan Officer Podcast. We can be heard anywhere podcasts are, are um, held. That's Apple, that's Spotify, that's Google, that's Stitcher, at The Loan Officer Podcast. We love thumbs up. We love five-star reviews. We love it when you share us. We love YouTube because it gives you an opportunity to actually comment and we do our best between myself and my my producer john coleman we do our best to actually monitor those comments feed uh give feedback give answers sometimes slide in a a corny joke here and there i can be found on linkedin just like zach can be found on linkedin i'm dustin owen on linkedin and then we have a social media linkedin for the business which is you know at the loan officer podcast just like we're on tiktok instagram and facebook at the loan officer podcast and stay tuned by the end of 2021, we'll finally have our website launched. You talked about your website. Ours is tloponline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. Stay tuned for that, Zach. Thank you immensely for taking the time. I'm so happy we were able to put this together. I look forward to getting up to South Carolina, A, to be a guest on your show, and B, because I do want to put one of my groups through your training because I think A would be fun and B would be extremely beneficial. So he's Zach Green. I'm Dustin Owen. You have tuned into the Lone Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you today. We will catch you in the next episode. Peace.